So last year in my community group, uh, someone told a story that I have not been able to shake ever since I heard it. Uh, one of my friends was leading the discussion, and he had just gotten out of medical school and when, was in his first year uh, during his residency at a hospital. Uh, for that particular week, he had been doing a rotation in the emergency room. And one day, when he was in the emergency room doing his rotation, his beeper went off. Why doctors are still the last people on the planet to have beepers, I have no idea. Uh, but I guess it's reliable technology. His beeper went off, and he got a message that someone coded. Now, coded is medical jargon for someone's heart to stop. He put down everything he did, was doing, and he ran up to the fifth floor to get busy. The attending doctor was waiting for everyone as they got up to give a team of five or six people their assignment, their mission, keep this man alive. To one person, oxygen. They inserted a tube into his lungs and were squeezing to keep his uh, lungs inflating with air. Someone else was on the IVs. They were pushing medicine into his vein, trying to stimulate a response. My friend's job was chest compressions. He was literally trying to restart this man's heart with his hands. Now, as he told the story, you could just see the emotion in his face. This was not uh, a dummy that he was working on in medical school. This was not a fellow classmate that he was pretending on. This was someone's father. This was someone's son. This was someone's brother, and his life was literally in his hands. Now, growing up, I've watched enough episodes of Doogie Howser to not be too surprised. Um, that's another uh, show that you guys have never seen. That's pretty sad. <laughs> Doogie Howser, MD. It's a great show. You should just Google it, YouTube it. Um, that didn't shock me that there was a team of doctors working on someone, but what he said next is something that I've never been able to shake. As they were working, as focused and as diligent as they could to save this man's life, after a few minutes, the attending doctor yelled out, stop. Now, it wasn't that they were doing anything wrong. It was just that periodically, everyone needed to stop and to realign themselves with the attending doctor. The attending doctor did not have her head down in the details of the IV or in the details of the machines or in doing chest compressions. The attending doctor was removed from it all but still present enough to be able to get all the information and give everyone their marching orders going forward. I can imagine what the anxiety felt like in those few precious moments where this man's life was hanging in their hands and they had to stop. Here's what I learned that day, something that I haven't been able to shake ever since. I knew that if, if him doing chest compressions, if he needed to stop from doing that activity periodically to realign, then there is nothing in all of our jobs that is so necessary or so vital that it would not benefit from us periodically stopping to make sure we are aligned correctly with the instructions that God has for us. Today, as we continue our series on faith and work, I want to talk about just that. I want to talk about you stopping. I want to talk about you realigning. I want to talk about rest. If you're going to have a meaningful career, if you're going to have, do, make meaningful contributions and to follow the orders that God wants for you to have, if you're going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, at the end of it all, it's going to require that you rest, that there are periods or 24-hour day, 24-hour period in your week that you stop and you realign yourself to God, to hear from God, our chief attending doctor of our souls. What is it that he has for us? Now, this topic is actually one that's really interesting. As I was doing a lot of research for it, there's so much science 
behind the topic of rest, that it is, it is conclusive in the medical community that you will be a much better worker. You will get way better work done if you have periods of rest. Uh, but the reason today that I'll give you some science, but the reason that we're going to talk about this uh, as a sermon and not as a TED talk is because <laughs> the type of rest that I, that I want for each one of you is an act of faith. The type of rest that God is calling for you to do is going to be an act of faith. You're going to need to hang on to God's promises. You're going to need to believe what God said over what you see. Now, there's something that you need to believe in order for us to really take hold of this concept of rest. It's that nothing in this life is too important that it cannot be set aside in order to receive what God has for me rather than what I can make or do myself. Uh, there's a story in Scripture in Luke 10. Uh, it's about two of Jesus' closest followers, a woman named Mary and Martha. And it comes to us in Luke 10, and it says, While they were traveling, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what Jesus said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. And she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken from her. How true can that statement be over your life? Insert your name, that you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is actually necessary. Now, this section of Scripture has confused and frustrated a lot of people, um, but what is it getting at? It's getting at this right here, that God has something for you. God has something for you. But in order to get it, you need to stop what you're doing to receive it from Jesus. Mary was being celebrated even though she didn't do one single thing. And her sister was doing hard work, work that actually needed to get done. And she's chastised and corrected by Jesus. Jesus tells her something that is true about her that's also true about your work. The work that Mary was doing in receiving from Christ, that was not going to be taken away from her. But Martha and all of her accomplishments, they were going to one day disappear. Everything you're doing at work, I hope it's good. I hope it's godly. I hope it's moving this world towards peace and shalom and the rightness of all things. I hope it's leading to the freedom of the oppressed. I hope it's doing amazing things. Everything you're doing will one day uh, go to dust. That's an inspiring uh, way to start this message. <laughs> what you do matters, but it lacks the permanence that we truly desire to settle in our souls. You and I need rest, and we need to believe that God actually has something for us in order to get it. Now, um, there's a number of reasons why we don't rest, and before we get into kind of the benefits of rest and, and how we actually do it, um, because it's more than Netflix and chill, um, uh, there's a lot of reasons why we don't rest. Some of those reasons are external, meaning, you know, you might you're not able to necessarily fix these, but some of these things are internal. Uh, the external reasons are, you know, um, one of them is lower paying jobs, and I wanted to be really clear, I don't want anybody feeling any shame as we're talking about rest. Um, not everybody works a job where you can afford to not work a day. And that's a, a, a result of living in a fallen world where things are not the way they ought to be. And, and I hope you don't hear any shame from me that if you're, not, if you're working a job just to provide for your, for your family, man, please keep working that. We'll, we'll, you know, come down for prayer after. We would love to pray for you that God opens up more doors in your life so you don't have to continue to do this. 
Um, but that's definitely a real challenge for a lot of people, why they're working so much. Um, the other one is the opposite problem, is that uh, higher paying jobs um, bring with them a whole lot of pressures. Now, some of y'all are like, Lord, give me those pressures. I'll, I'll pass the test. <laughs> it's interesting. Years and years and years ago, the more money you made, the more leisurely your lifestyle was. That's opposite now. The more money you make, the more they feel like they own you. And the more you feel like you have to be on all the time to justify the salary that you're being paid. The other ones are systemic injustices. I was speaking to a, a young woman in our community this past week. Uh, I would shout out her name, but I don't know if her bosses listen to the podcast. Um, <laughs> and she was talking to me about, I said, hey, so like, why, don't you, why do you feel like for you at your job that um, work uh, it just dominates you so often and that you're not, you don't really have good boundaries in your life? And she says, Jordan, um, I, as a black woman in America, I have to work twice as hard to get half as far. And I won't pretend to know what, it, uh, what that feels like, um, but I, I certainly could say that that's a, a huge reason why a lot of people have to work so hard because, you know, to be the only person in your position and you have to prove yourself and establish yourself, man, that actually might really lead toward just overworking in a lot of ways. Um, the other one is, uh, is a good problem. It's that our jobs are, are stimulating. Um, so centuries ago, if you were a blacksmith, you know, making something black, uh, I, don't, I, I know they made something black. If you were doing that, if you were doing that work, it's not that exciting. It's not terribly exciting to like bang the, app, the hammer on the metal and everything like that and do whatever they did. But today, a lot of you guys have like really great jobs that are like exciting and interesting and you could just easily get lost in your work. And before you know it, you look up and you spend hours and hours and hours doing something and you're not actually resting. You're working too much. And a lot of that is a function of just, being over, just having stimulating things to do. Uh, my wife and I, one of the things that we both love to do is work on anything Photoshop related. Um, anything for, the, for a graphic or something, if we could try to like, figure out Photoshop, we'll be on YouTube for hours. YouTube is a university. You should be able to get <laughs> masters from YouTube. You can learn anything on YouTube. Um, but yeah, we can set up the computer for hours and hours and hours learning how to do a gradient image or learning how to do one of these things. And quite honestly, sometimes I'll look up and three hours has gone just because it's stimulating. Uh, but that doesn't, mean that's, that doesn't mean that it's good for us. And the last one is the biggest one. It's our toxic work culture. Uh, there's something in the water in New York City, be careful if you're drinking it, that is filled with a toxic work culture. You'll notice it the most when you leave New York particularly if you leave and go to a different country and their relationship with work. Every time my wife and I go to Jamaica to see her family, like, I get anxiety in my chest in the way that they approach work. They just don't approach it the same way we do. <laughs> they don't. They just be chilling. I'm like, all right, I mean, okay, that's, that's how y'all get down? Studies and studies have shown that our culture in New York, in New York City in specific, specifically, is so toxic that it will literally... Uh, uh, cause you to miss out on things that you could have. Uh, for example, 70% um, of all workers in the city do not use all their vacation time. On average, there are 12 unused vacation days a year. It's shameful to not be busy in New York. One of my friends told me a story about one of her coworkers, and they were emailing, and they were on an email chain. Uh, one woman felt like it was okay, it was appropriate to email her coworker who was on her honeymoon and says, hey, you know, just in case you get bored, do me a favor, let me know what you think about this. 
Now, I, I hope she didn't open the email. Um, I hope she didn't even see the email came in. I hope she really, truly had it on vacation responder. But what does it say about our culture? What does it say about our culture that someone would feel like it's okay to shoot someone an email, not an emergency, an email about something on their honeymoon? Now, we have a very toxic work culture in New York City. And here's one thing I, I want to impress upon every single person here. Your work will take everything that you give it. If you give them everything, they will take everything from you. And it is up to you to set boundaries. Because if you, don't set, if you do not set those boundaries, your work will take and take and take. The people you serve and the people you report to, they will take unlimited from you unless you put in your own boundaries. Now, the other reasons for why we work too much or why we don't rest are internal. So the external ones, we can't necessarily put up, we can't fix systemic injustice like this. Uh, but these other ones are far more internal and near and dear to our hearts. Uh, there's a book uh, called Crazy Busy by Kevin DeYoung, and uh, he names these the, the killer peas. Uh, and these are the reasons we don't um, rest well. The first is poor planning. Uh, you and I need to learn how to set priorities because we cannot do it all. It's interesting, nobody in here would go out and buy a, a $2,000 pair of jeans because you know in a couple of weeks, rent is due. And your landlord doesn't care how cute you look in them jeans. <laughs> we realize that there is a, there's a finite amount of money that we have. Therefore, we plan accordingly. But for whatever reason, we don't recognize and really are aware that we have, our time is a finite resource that we have. We do not have unlimited amounts of time. And unless we plan, we're going to end up not being able to rest because we'll overpack too many things in our life. Um, in Psalm 90, it, it, it tells us this, to teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. And that's a good prayer to pray. Lord, teach us to number our days carefully. Uh, the second one is people-pleasing. And people-pleasing is because you say yes to way too many things at work because you are afraid of what people will think of you if you say no. This is not their problem. This is your problem. Now, I'm not saying don't be a team player. I'm not saying not to work hard, uh, but I am saying that if your motivation for saying yes to everything that you're saying yes to is because you're afraid of what people will think of you, then you're going to be in a bad position, and you're not going to have the correct boundaries up, and it's going to eat you up from the inside. And this is something I talk about a lot because it's something that I've struggled with for, for years, and I've, I've worked really, really hard to make sure that this is not governing my decisions whenever uh, I accept a speaking engagement or however I engage with people. Um, and there's a scripture in John 2 that's always comforted me, and it's always put things back in perspective for me about people-pleasing. As John 2, 23, it says, While he was in Jerusalem during the Passover festival, many believed in his name when, he, when they saw the signs he was doing. Jesus, however, would not entrust himself to them, since he knew them, since he knew them all, and because he did not need anyone to testify about him. For he himself knew what was inside of humankind. Here's what the scripture telling us. Jesus did nev never submit himself to the court of human approval, approval because he knew what's inside of us. He knew we're fickle. He knew we'll say Hosanna one day and crucify him a couple days later. He knew those same people we're looking to for approval would give it to us one day and snatch it back the next, that they would use it as manipulation, that they would take advantage of us. Jesus, as a result, tells us don't even look to them for approval. Another one is prestige, that you're determined to make a name for yourself. Uh, another one is perfectionism. This is to all my perfectionists in the room. Let me not look at my wife. Um, the, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. She's not a perfectionist. 
Not anymore, at least. <laughs> Perfectionists believe uh, you can't let up because God forbid if you let up. God forbid if you are not in complete control of every single thing that's going on, then it's not going to work at all because you are so necessary, you're so vital that you cannot not be in every single aspect of everything, and perfectionism leads us to overwork. Proving ourselves, this is a big one, trying to prove yourself to your boss, your coworkers, your high school JV basketball coach, your coworkers, whoever, your kids, and a lot of times, you know who you're trying to prove yourself to? Yourself. Possessions. We stay busy to buy more stuff that we don't need to impress people we don't care about. Now, as a result of all of these internal and external pressures, while we, you and I don't rest, um, in order for us to recover, rest the way that God intends for us, it's going to be an act of faith and that we believe God's words for us, that he has something for us, and we let those words guide us to have good boundaries. Now, a few things about rest. Uh, number one, rest was designed by God. The reason you and I need rest so much is because God has specifically designed you to need it. Over hundreds of millions of years of human um, appearance living on this planet, we have always, at every single minute, needed rest. We have grown in a lot, a lot of different ways, but we have never outgrown our need for rest. God has specifically designed you from rest, for rest to rest, and you can ignore it, but you'll ignore it at your own peril. Uh, Genesis 2, 1 through 3, we see God model it for us. It says, So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. On the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it he rested from all his work of creation. And later in Exodus 28 through 11, in what are known as the Ten Commandments, we see God mandate to his people that they have one 24-hour period every single week where they are disconnected from having to produce. Now, really quickly, I, wanna, I can't go too deeply into this, uh, but you and I, if we're followers of Jesus, we are not under the law. We're under grace, right? Uh, so we're not under the command of the old covenant to follow the Sabbath or else be stoned. That's not, the way you, that's not what I'm trying to put over your heads today. However, in our culture of toxic work culture, what better than revisiting these commands in Scripture to revisit the most basic principle about rest? And the principle still stands that you and I were still created and designed for rest. It doesn't matter what day you take. Um, my wife and I take Fridays. Uh, it doesn't matter what day you take, but you and I need to be working towards making sure that we rest. A.L. Bernard is a pastor in Brooklyn, and he says like this, uh, Our time is not a gift to use as we choose. It's a resource to be managed and stewarded. God has given you and I time, and that's the greatest gift of all. You and I are not to use that time flippantly, but to use it as God has specifically designed us uh, to be, for it to be used. Now, God has designed us for rest, and here's the thing about this. Even if you don't think you need it, you still do. Uh, my friend went to a Thai restaurant, and my friend prides himself on being able to eat spicy food. And he gets to the Thai restaurant, orders his dish. He says, I'd like it spicy, please. And they said, American spicy? or Thai spicy. His famous last words were, you tell the kitchen to make it as hot as they want. Uh, they brought the dish out, like just like a boiling cauldron of sauce. And uh, as the waiters brought out the dish, there were the cooks looking out the window in the kitchen <laughs> to see my friend, uh, you know, take this on. And uh, he's a very prideful guy, so he wasn't going to admit that he was outmatched. So he sat there and rode the struggle bus through the entire dish. 
and ate it and ate it and ate it. And all the while, his insides burning up. As soon as he was done, he ran out to the store to get a quart of milk just to jug down to cool uh, his mouth. And what that spicy dish did was tear him up from the inside out. I won't go into any details about what happened to him. But suffice it to say, he will not be doing that ever again. Just because you think you can handle a plate as full as you have it right now does not mean it's not tearing you up from the inside out. Just because everybody around you is doing stuff, or just because you think you're brave enough to ask for it does not mean that it's not ripping you up from the inside out. Overwork will do something to you, and it's not good. God has designed us for rest, and we could ignore it and we'll do so at our own peril. Uh, there was a study that found over the last 50 years, spending too long in the office resulted up to 80% chance greater of heart disease than a regular eight-hour workday. Here's what, they, here's what they found. There are several potential mechanisms that may underlie the association between long working hours and heart disease, study authors wrote. One is prolonged exposure to psychological stress. You and I can work 20 hours a day, and listen, sometimes there might be weeks where you just really have to grind it, and that's fine. I'm not, I'm not uh, calling for anything, some, some hard legalistic rules, but I am saying this. You and I are designed, and our physical health is at risk if we ignore those commands. Number two, rest reminds us that you and I are human beings, not human doings. Rest reminds us that you and I are human beings, not human doings. Uh, in order for you to separate yourself from the work that you're doing, you need to separate yourself from the work that you are doing. In order for you to not have your identity completely linked to your job, you and I need to unlink periodically our, our actual activity from our jobs so that we can reestablish our identity in the way that God has intended for us to receive. And if you're going nonstop, it's going to be impossible for you to distance yourself and your identity from your work because you're going to be constantly going in that direction. All throughout Scripture, there are commands for us to place our identity in Christ, not in our work. And that's impossible unless we stop periodically to realign ourselves with God. There's a Scripture in Galatians 4 and 7, written by a man named Paul, and he says it like this, So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. Uh, what Paul is talking about in the Scripture is that the children of Israel, who this command was given to, uh, they were previously slaves in Egypt. And to be a slave in Egypt, you had one factor that determined your value, how many bricks you made. It didn't matter what your last name was. Your value as a slave was in your production. Paul says this, you are no longer a slave, but a son. Now your value is not based at all on what you do, but who you're related to. This is why later other, other writers in the New Testament pick up on this theme and how radical it is to, be, to move from uh, works-based um, value to value-based in God. And this is what uh, the author John says in 1 John, oh, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called what? The children of God. In order for us to reestablish ourselves as human beings and God's children, we need to unhitch ourselves uh, from work. And here's a, the beautiful reminder that I hope you get this week and every other week, every time you practice this principle of rest and taking time to truly reflect uh, uh, on who you are and who God is. Here's this one true principle. It's this. All true blessing comes from his grace, not our labor. All true blessing that you want in your life, everything good that you want in your life, all of it comes from God's grace, not your work. And if you're constantly working, it's going to be impossible for you to receive that. And oftentimes, um, uh, you and I, we're not living a life 
based on the gospel. And what is the gospel? How would you define it? Uh, The gospel, we see it in Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. But God, who was rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. All of the good things that we want from our work, all of the good things that we get from God uh, to live a gospel-centered life means that we believe that everything good that comes our way, the true blessing that God has for us comes not as a result of our labor, but as a result of God's amazing grace. And if you are a follower of Jesus, rest allows you to realign yourself to the rightful position of children saved by grace, not of our labor. Now, let's get really practical. How do you guys know if you're resting enough? Uh, how, how do you know if you're resting enough? Uh, the first one is pretty easy. If you can't define a period in the last week or several weeks where you've taken off 24 hours to not be active, and uh, anyone with small children, you're going to have to modify this. It's like me taking yoga class. You know what I'm saying? I need a, I need a brick because I'm not that flexible. Um, <clears throat> It's impossible to disconnect from your kids, particularly if you're a nursing mother, for example, to disconnect for 24 hours. But what I would uh, push on you a little bit is to ask for help from other people, family members, friends, people in your community group, so that you can disconnect yourself uh, from your children who you're working with. um, Because your kids, just like worse than your boss, your kids will take nonstop from you unless you put up boundaries on, (laughs) unless you put up boundaries, your kids will take nonstop. And they're cute, but it's still doing a danger to you. So if you can't identify a 24-hour period that you haven't taken off, and what I mean by taking off, I don't mean not at the job, but still answering the email every now and then. I mean completely off, push email off, disconnected, and I I hear the anxiety that you guys are experiencing right now, even in saying that, but that you're off. Um, Second, a good way to know that you're not resting enough is that you cannot identify a recent creative idea that you've had. And how does this relate to not working, uh, not resting well enough? Because science is very clear. Uh, When you're doing the same thing over and over again, your brain literally builds a highway of neurons that makes those connections extremely fast and easy. So every time you go to do something, you're going to do it the same way you've always done it. If you want a new idea, you need to stop. You need to rest and allow that highway of neurons to fall down, and then you will be able to come up with fresh and creative ideas. But if you're continuing to move in the same direction, it's going to be impossible for you to have um, good, fresh uh, ideas. Uh, Keith Kutcher is a neuroscientist, and he says that you have to shut down the circuits so that when you fire them up again, you can form different connections and have different thoughts. Here's what he says. The least productive people are the people that spend the most hours at the lab. Now, another sign is that you start to notice uh, a distancing of you and the people who are closest to you. Maybe it's your family or your loved ones, your spouse, your significant other, where you're starting to see work move in such a way that you're seeing a separation between you and them. Another one is when you're starting to see signs when your physical health is going down. Uh, October was a really bad month for me, and this is something that I'll be really honest about. Um, I I tend to work too hard sometimes in the fall, and I'm a perfectionist a little bit, and I'm uh, I'm trying to prove myself in a lot of ways. 
And I worked way too hard. I, you know, I did way too much in October. I said yes to way too many things, both at Renaissance and outside. And uh, on stage on October 7th, I, I was having a, a, a migraine on stage. And I have a history of neurological issues. I had a seizure when I was a kid. I had uh, migraines for, for decades. And um, I recently, as a result, I had vertigo for three weeks, um, um, following up that nice, wonderful migraine. And I called the doctor, and he was like, what's your sleep like? I'm like, uh, not happening. Uh, that's more due to Hurricane Josiah than it is due to, to work. <laughs> but thankfully, we're outside of the eye of the storm. He's uh, now sleeping through the night. Um, but the other piece was, he said, well, what's your stress level like? And I was like, it's, it's pretty high. He said, well, how much are you doing at work? I was like, a lot. And he was like, well, go to sleep. <laughs> He's not gonna, I'm not going to prescribe you medicine. Stop doing all that work. If you're not careful, physically and emotionally, you'll be eaten alive by too much work. Now, how do you rest biblically? Uh, Pete Scazzaro is an amazing author. He wrote this book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Uh, he passes a church, uh, he's founded a church rather, uh, called New Life in, in Queens, and it's an amazing ministry that he and his wife, Jerry Scazzaro, have. And uh, I've implemented this in my, in my personal life, and this has been the healthiest thing that I've ever done. Uh, how to rest biblically. Number one, it's stop, rest, delight, contemplate. The first thing you need to do is stop, right? Just like Auntie Maxine said, reclaiming my time. Y'all need to reclaim, stop, reclaim it. Now, let me get super practical. Most of you cannot stop as long as your push emails are on. Because it doesn't matter if you go to the botanical gardens and you're walking around, it don't matter if you had brunch, you know what I'm saying, have a French toast. When that email comes in from your coworker or your boss, it's going to completely derail everything you have tried to establish. If your job is on a, a Gmail platform and um, you could get something like Boomerang, and Boomerang will allow you to pause your inbox and send an auto-reply. And if you do that, it's a super quick uh, pause your inbox and you can set the times that you want it to be paused. And here's what you do. Put your phone number in it. Say, listen, I'm away from my desk for 20, I'm away from work for 24 hours in order to get new fresh ideas for the team or whatever you want to say. <laughs> and then say, if it's an emergency, call me. Nobody's going to call you. Because of our toxic work culture, they'll sh keep on shooting off emails, email, email, email. And unless you set up those boundaries, you will be like, like a city without walls, prime for an invasion. And you will not have the peace and the rest that God wants you to have because you haven't put those boundaries in place. You need whatever it is that you're working on, whatever your job is, you need to have a 24-hour period where you are not easily accessible off the grid and you are not easily distracted by a constant barrage of incoming emails and phone calls and texts about that. So stopping is the first thing uh, to do. Um, the second one is rest. And once we stop, um, we need to accept God's invitation to rest, and this is a really big one. In order to rest well, you need to actually work well leading up to it. So one of the best ways, I'll know that a Friday is gonna be amazing for me and Jess when I'm able to get a lot of stuff done leading up to that. So we work really hard so that we can rest on Friday. Laundry, dishes, grocery shopping, paid and unpaid work, we'll try to do it as much as we can earlier in the week so that on Friday when it's time to rest, we're not being bombarded by other things that we need to do. 
So and if you're going to be able to rest, you need to truly try to work your way up towards resting so that that 24-hour period you have can actually be one where you disconnect and there's no have-tos in your vocabulary. The third one is delight. And this one is really, really big. Resting doesn't necessarily need to be uh, motionless. If you like to hike, hike. If you like to run, I don't know why you would, but then go for a run. <laughs> Whatever it is you like to do, something that actually charges your, your batteries, something that feeds your inner soul, go and do it. Uh, my wife and I, uh, we love food. We're big foodies. And for us, it's not a delight unless there's really good food involved. Um, last Friday, my wife and I, we got our passports together, and we went to Brooklyn. And... Um, <laughs> We went to this Slovakian cheeseburger place. And they like sear the burger and they put this cheese on it and these juniper berries and this like pork neck on it. And then they wrap it in this dough and then they fry that joint. It's amazing. It's called uh, Corzo, K-O-R-Z-O, go eat it. And then you know, I'm not getting a kickback from it, but yo, it's, it's amazing. But for us to, to sit back and to be able to catch up with each other, that's a delight. And you need to find something that is a delight for you, that you're looking forward to do. Something needs to replace in your brain that activity. I'm all for Netflix, right? But you cannot devote all of your rest time towards just staring at the idiot box and, uh, and, and binge watching sh uh, shows all day. You and I need time where you can plug up and you know, just completely decompress, watch something on Netflix. But this cannot be the entirety of your, of your time off to rest. Um, it might be fun for a couple of hours, but you really need to make sure you're actively delighting in other things. And the last one, a true Sabbath, a true day of rest is not com uh, complete without contemplating. And what do we mean by contemplating? Uh, it means pondering the love of God that he has for us. It means receiving from Jesus what Jesus has for us. Uh, there's a scripture where Jesus tells everybody to come. He says, listen, come, come, come to me, all of you who are heavy laden and burdened. And guess what I'm going to give you? I'm going to give you rest. We cannot truly receive the rest that we need unless we get it from Jesus. Now, depending on where you are in terms of your ability to comprehend biblical truths and, and how much Bible reading you do, I'm not saying you need to read an entire book of the Bible, but I am saying that you need to spend some time dedicated towards hearing the words of God's, hearing the word of God, because you need God's thoughts to replace your thoughts. On Sabbath, we intentionally look for Jesus um, in uh, we spend a time intentionally going after God. It could be 10, 15 minutes. I'm not saying you have to do it for 10 hours, but time so you can come and hear from God. Most of the growth that you will have in your life will not come from Sunday morning. As a matter of fact, it, it shouldn't come from that. Most of the meals that you've had in your life did not come from some fancy schmancy restaurant, but they've been peanut butter and jelly or they've been regular average dishes, but those average dishes have sustained you and grown you your entire life. Don't look for something amazing or profound, but just get the sustenance that you need to move day by day. And having this rhythm in your calendar is a great way to make sure that you are growing and moving in the right direction. Let me pray for us. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, you are both good and you are both all-powerful. And God, I, I pray that we would uh, be able to receive from you this command to rest. And God, I, I pray that all of the, the things that are standing in its way, both externally and internally, God, I pray for some amazing job connections for people in here who are working a job that's just grinding them to the core. And God, I pray for you to open up some doors for them that they wouldn't have to, uh, they wouldn't have to work that hard to get so little. Father, I pray for our, um, just other people at their, at their jobs. 
um, to open up doors for them. God, I pray for everyone else in here who's uh, maybe just doesn't have the boundaries. Lord, I pray that we would see the danger in that and we would commit ourselves to setting those boundaries, to hearing from you, to resting well. Jesus, let me pray. Amen.